So I love what Lucy was singing um, about, I'm a child of God. And that's not something that was really common in the time of Jesus, to think of yourself as a child of God, you know? It was like very unusual. And we're gonna see how uh, he got a lot of flack. Jesus got a lot of flack for talking about people that way, especially people who uh, were known to be sinners or even just, you know, like, uh, you know, hurt or sick or disabled. So let's take a look. Um, but before we start in on chapter two, um, I just want to give you a little bit of background. So earlier, we see that um, in verse 14, chapter one, that, yes? Oh, sure. How about that? Well, I can turn it up, actually. Oh, thank you. Sorry about that. Oh, how's that? Who's actually that? Okay. All right. So in chapter, maybe it's a little bit. Why is it too loud? Perfect. Okay. Chapter 1, verse 14. Um, this was after uh, John, who's Jesus' cousin, got arrested. And it says that, uh, that John was proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand or near. The kingdom of God is at hand. So, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, the gospel, as we know, is not just uh, good advice, but what is the gospel? It's good what? It's good news. Good news. Do we hear a lot of good news these days? No. We hear news, no. but rarely is it ever good news. We hear advice. We hear good advice. And there's good advice that's good, like, you know, do this for your recovery or, you know, do that, you know, take these courses, do this, do that. But rarely do we ever hear good, actually good news based on something, based on an event, like a, a an event. And in the case of the gospel, it's the event of God coming to earth in Jesus, like Emmanuel, God is with us. God is on the earth. That's the good news. It's like, so when when John was preaching, you know, repent, like change your mind, like do come on, like turn this way and go a different direction, come towards come towards Jesus. Um, that was like a radical thing. So the good news of Jesus was an event that we really we still need to be responding to today if we want to experience that break every chain kind of thing and be a child of God. So that's in verse 14, 114. And then at the end of Mark, we see that um, that Jesus was in Capernaum, and you know he couldn't go around in the cities anymore. He was he was uh, having to move further, further out as people started being bothered by what he was saying. But we see that he um, the first thing he did was he cast out an unclean spirit. That's the first miracle in Mark. He cast out an unclean spirit inside, like. A, the synagogue, which was like the church, you know, of that time. And people were amazed about that. Then he uh, was at Simon's mother-in-law's house, <laughs> dying of fever. And, you know, he, he instantly healed her of that fever. And so that was making people really interested, like, who is this guy? And so <laughs> even um, at evening, and at Simon's 
were coming all around Jesus because they they wanted to you know they wanted to bring their friends who were sick or they themselves if they were sick they wanted to be healed too so it was people were just like crowding in and then in and in chapter two there it says that um you know after you have all these healings like the leper and different things um Jesus was back in Capernaum and he was at home it says and there's just tons of people gathered right there so let's read and many were gathered together at the home so that there's no more room, not even at the door. So just imagine this. You can just close your eyes if you want, or if you want to read the Bible. Um, and it says he was preaching the word to them. So in other words, he was he was proclaiming the gospel. He wasn't just giving advice, he was actually proclaiming something very radical. And that was the same mes message as the kingdom of God is near right? The kingdom of God is near, like God is near to you. And how is God near to the people? How can we imagine that was actually a reality? How was it? Jesus. Jesus was near to them. That's how the kingdom of God was near, because Jesus himself was there, and he was, and people were coming close. They were, they were being kind of drawn to him, and he was drawn to them because of his love. So it says, and they came bringing him a paralytic in other words, a paralyzed guy carried by four men. All right, so just imagine that. I wish I had an image I could have put up here. I forgot to do that today, but um, there's some really, really cool art. They didn't have cameras back then, but there's some really cool art that just is, is it really moves, moves me to see, think about what it was like to be carrying this person on a stretcher. And I'm pretty sure it was a full-grown man because there was four guys carrying this person. If it was a kid, they probably could have just, you know, two people, one on each end, but pretty sure it was a man who'd been paralyzed for a while. And it says, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they dug through the roof above, above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralyzed lay. So back then they made the homes not place in the world out of these they had these beams for the roof and then they they put like straw and mud to kind of like glue it together so to do this to lower a guy you know on a stretcher thing on a rope they would have had to dig like actually basically ruin the roof because they'd have to like dig through and there'd be people you know looking up and seeing mud and dirt falling down well Jesus was preaching the good news <laughs> Right, and then you see this body coming down. It's like just imagine what you'd be thinking, especially if you were one of those people who was hoping to get healed, and then like Jesus just right in front of Jesus, they lower him right down. Right, but that they just cut. They cut. They totally cut. They didn't take a number and stand in line. And this was a guy that was like blocked. Like everyone had blocked him, and their the friends are like, "We're going through the roof." I can't even imagine that. Can you guys imagine doing something like that? I mean, it could have, like, that could have been a problem because, like, that destroyed. What if it rained the next day or that day? Huh? Yeah, might have. So, nothing is mentioned about this, though. Just notice how much dialogue there is in the story. It's like, this would be the easiest and funnest story to act out, I think. You could do it so easy because there's hardly any talking just like 
yeah, we could do that, but just think about this. So, all right, they made the opening, they let down the man, and when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? Their faith, the faith of the people lowering him down, he said to the guy, the paralytic, child, your sins are forgiven. Now I want to pause here and just look. Most Bibles say, my son, or son, my whatever, but if, if you look at the Greek, the literal word is just child, not my child, not my son, not son, but just plain child. And this really got my attention because nowhere else, this is the first and the only time that I know of anywhere where Jesus refers to someone he doesn't know as child, which is really unusual and curious. Like, why would he say that to this guy? He calls people other things like woman or this or that, or but really he doesn't ever say well, he doesn't ever say to one person child. And I, I, I wonder if there's a reason for that. So if you look at do any of your other translations say use a different word? Okay, son. All right, that's that's the one that's not, I mean, most of our Bibles do say that. I looked in the new. Um, the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, the, the recent edition that says child, a couple other literal ones say child. Did any of yours say that? Nope. Okay. Well, anyway, well, that's just one thing I, I wanted to kind of highlight there and we'll go back to it in a minute. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? In other words, why is Jesus saying that? Of course, we can only know that. We can't hear the guy saying that. We, can only, we and Jesus are the only ones that know what's going on in, in the hearts of these people. It's kind of cool to get given the inside scoop like that. So why does this man speak like that? Yeah, he is blaspheming. Blasphemy means saying things that are like against God. Like, like Jesus is calling himself. Because if he's saying... Your sons are forgiven. It says, who can forgive sins but God alone? And so they were really upset because at that time, they believed that God only could forgive sins and only at certain times of the year when the high priest would be in the temple. And you could go and you could, your sins could be forgiven, but you know there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be all this stuff. You know, It wouldn't be just like, like this. This just seems like random where Jesus is saying, He's basically saying, I'm God, because if only God can forgive, then how is Jesus forgiving? Right? They don't think he's God at all. It would kind of be like, I don't know if this is really a good example. I was trying to think of an example. It would be like maybe if there was a police officer who stopped you, say, by accident, you ran someone over because it was icy and you couldn't stop, and some, some kid on their bike went across the street and you couldn't stop and you ran them over and they were actually they were actually like paralyzed or something. And the and the the cop just said, Oh, that's okay. You know, I will just forgive that. You'd be like, Well, I think the only place that can happen is in court. You know, it has to be a judge. Are you like you, the police officer, saying you're like the law? Are you the law? But in ways, I don't know if that's a very good example, but it's sort of like Jesus is saying he's the law. Suddenly, he's not in any temple. He's just in the house. There's no sacrifice. They're like out in the boonies in some house, and he's just talking about forgiving sins. And 
I don't know, maybe it doesn't strike us so weird because we're used to that, but back then it was like, no, we never talked about that. Like, Jesus was not seen as God's son, number one, and didn't, he can't forgive sins. So um, they're saying he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were questioning that way in their hearts. So he read their mind. And we get to see that too here. And yeah, so he says to them, even though they didn't speak out loud, but he's just hearing their hearts speaking. He says, um, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up, take your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, which is, by the way, the same word for resurrection. Rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And the guy rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this, which is true. Yes? Yeah. Well, we'll look at that. We'll, we're going to get to that. Thanks. Thanks for not letting me forget that. So, um, so this whole thing about um, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, get up and walk. Now, why would that fix it? Why would that be a good fix for the problem if you were the Pharisees? Would you say, oh, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> Based on what? Well, if we know our Bibles, we go back to Daniel because he's actually quoting something which is now being fulfilled in himself, but Daniel, yeah, Daniel the book of Daniel, thank you, Bob, Daniel 7, verse 13, well, let's take a look at that, this is why it's good to know the Old Testament, too, because then it will make total sense, so he's basically justifying himself with a scripture that's pointing to the Messiah, so cool, and like hardly any commentaries that we read about this um, refer to this. So like I was looking around at some commentaries because I was so like perplexed. I didn't understand. And then Bob's like, oh yeah, I just, I was just reading about Daniel. He goes, this is totally where it's at. I'm like, oh, thanks. So thanks, Bob. Anyways, uh, Daniel 7, so page 697 in the, the New Bibles, 697. So this is Daniel, who's a prophet, and he's talking about his visions, okay? So this is way before Jesus, right? Way before Jesus. And he's saying, Daniel is saying, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Son of man. Now, Jesus just called himself son of man. And we know it's true that he was, when you say, Son of back in those days, it was like, okay, I'm my last name is John's son because my my you know my great 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 grandfather was John. So back then, if you were anyone in that family of John, you would be John's son, Johnson. So that's how we get our you know Stevenson or whatever son or this son or that son. So basically, 
it's like kind of like in the category of man. In other words, he's a human being. That's true. But it's more than just that. It's not just like he's a human, although we know that. Because he's saying, hey, look, I know I look like a scraggly, smelly foot human because I've been walking around barefoot in the desert around here. But and I am a human, but I'm also the son of God. So anyway. Son of man. Yeah, but also son of God. And behold, the sun, the clouds of heaven, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like, like the son of man, so like a human, and he came to the ancient of days. What do you think that could be? Ancient days? Yeah, God, God, creator, God, father, ancient of days, got to be the most ancient being, and was presented before him. Okay, so here's one that looks like a human is coming before the age of days and he's being presented to God. And to him was given dominion, that means authority, dominion and glory and a kingdom, a kingdom that all peoples, all peoples, all nations and languages should serve him, his dominion or authority is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. We should all know this scripture because this is the scripture that tells about the coming of Jesus. And Jesus, just as a response, he's quoting directly from Daniel when he says this. He says, um, you know, what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say take up your bed and walk? But that you should know that the Son of Man, same Son of Man back then, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, take your bed and go home. So that's pretty cool, right? He's using their own scriptures, which they supposedly value and obey, to point to himself, but in a very humble way. And their mouth, you know, no one said anything after that except the very end. The crowds were like, wow, we've never seen anything like this. So, so what do you make of that? It's like this this story is about breaking chains in in a way that 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 is a very holistic way. But it doesn't start with the way you would think. It doesn't start with Jesus healing like he's been doing before. Um, the first miracle we see that there's deliverance of evil spirits of someone in the temple. And the second um, miracle, I think it was the second or one of the second one of the next miracles was the mother-in-law fever, mother-in-law Peter, son of Peter that gets healed, and then tons of other people getting healed, right? And then you have this story, which of a paralyzed guy, and the thing that draws your attention is that he's paralyzed on this stretcher and you're expecting jesus to just embrace him and say hey be healed in jesus name get up and walk but what does he say before that why does he say your sins are forgiven you think that guy would have been like yay my sins are forgiven i mean my friends drag me here it's pretty embarrassing to go through the roof like this and be lowered down and I'm pretty sure I could be in trouble, but like, what's worse? <laughs> what can they do to me? I'm already paralyzed, right? But I mean, to be forgiven your sins. Well, maybe he actually had sinned. Maybe the reason why he was paralyzed 
who knows, maybe he tried to climb into somebody's, you know, second store or third, third story, you know, house and he'd fallen because he was trying to break in the house and maybe that's why he's paralyzed. We don't know. But we know that Jesus pointed that out because he knew that the guy, he saw that the first, probably the first thing that was really paralyzing this guy, so to speak, was his, was a shame from something no one knew about. Or maybe they all knew. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. That being like an automatic repentance for him, like a repentance for him. It's interesting because does the guy repent? No, he totally doesn't repent. And that's a good point. Thank you, Manuel. I forgot to mention that. That is like such an important key point that I meant to mention that there is zero asking of forgiveness, zero repentance. I mean, John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is, is at hand. Well, Jesus was at hand. He was the kingdom of God walking, but he beats the guy to the forgiveness thing or to the forgiveness of sins. He just beats him. He just aces him out of it. doesn't even wait for any kind of, hey, forgive me for that. He just like, bam, does that. And then, oh yeah, it's almost like an afterthought. He heals him of his paralysis. I just find it so fascinating. It says in the Bible to humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. It doesn't, and, it, yeah, it, he was humble. Like this guy, do we see anybody asking anything? We see an action. We see him putting, putting him through the roof. Did the friends talk? Did the friends talk? Did the guy talk? No. Did anybody talk? There's no talking. That's why I said it would be a really easy play to put on. There's no talking. There's just us hearing us and Jesus that we get to read the minds of all these people. You're going to pray. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the coolest story ever. It's like my favorite story in the Bible, I guess. Just because it's got so many interesting twists. But I'm still left with this question, why is he calling him child? Not my child or anything. I just don't know. But one thing I wonder about is maybe, maybe the guy, maybe Jesus really wanted to show him the love of the father. You know? And well, Jesus, he said that if the, I and the father are one, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And maybe the guy didn't have a father. I have no clue. But through Jesus, we know the Father. And what's going to move you? Something else really cool. Listen to this. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I can't resist. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For a child will be born to you. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. You know, it's the next Eternal Father. How is Jesus eternal Father? That is really, really, really interesting. Jesus is called eternal Father. How? Because he said, "I and the Father are one." So if you if, to know the Father, like disciples are like, "Jesus, show us the Father, and we'll be happy." And he said, "If you see me, you've seen the Father." So cool. So if we have an experience with Jesus in any way, it's the same heart of the Father. He's revealing the Father. And here he's showing us who the Father is. Tender, compassionate. His love is based on nothing that this guy did. 
God's love is based on nothing that we do. Matter of fact, it, but it could be helped by something that someone else does who cares about us, like prays for us. So maybe these four guys, the equivalent could be like us interceding for someone who's paralyzed in whatever way. Or letting ourselves be carried when we feel paralyzed. Letting someone drag us to church or drag us to, I don't know, like wherever, to the store, carry us somewhere. Even maybe against our will at times if we're stubborn. And, and Jesus loves us so much that there's nothing that's required, even to forgive our sins. I find this outrageous, totally outrageous. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you that in you, we get to see the Father. And we thank you that, um, that you, in this story, you show us how you, you take us out of that whole slavery to the legal system, to, to, to having to perform, to having to do these things, to jump through hoops, to get right, to get clean. And that you made this guy clean just by, by your love and nothing he did. And just thinking that, that that's exactly how the father sees us as, as a beloved child, not just as a servant or, or whatever but sees us as children of God. Thank you that we're no longer a slave to sin. We, we are all children of God. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you breathe on this story and that you would move in our hearts and that you would allow us to go deeper in the love of the Father and to really contemplate the beauty of your love. We just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.